Sedan and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. We will take you up till 7 o'clock today. Scott Kaplan will join us then to do some crosstalk. He will take you through the evening at 10 o'clock. Shout out to Mason and Ireland who were on with us a second ago during crosstalk, during purgatory. But LZ, there's been a lot of stuff that's transpired. You and I literally got off the air and all of a sudden all hell broke loose. Okay? So... Basically, the thing that I think people need to know most about are the details of the player meeting that we were discussing yesterday, okay? At least to start, right? And know what was happening, who was saying what, and how we got to this point here where it's been agreed upon to play games and we're expecting during this show to know when the owner's meeting is over to know when those games will take place because they will be happening. It could potentially happen as soon as tomorrow. Or Saturday, it could be. That that seems to be the, the prevailing notion at the moment. But the biggest thing was the people who spoke up the loudest in this meeting amongst the players. C.J. McCollum challenged players who wanted to end their season, not to forfeit their platform. Jalen Brown asked his colleagues, well, if we do leave, are you going to be on the front lines or are you just going to hang out at the house? Uh, Andre Godala echoed those sentiments by saying that they should be in the front lines in Kentucky or Wisconsin. Um, otherwise, what's the point? Kyle Korver, uh, because the Bucks were a little bit under siege there. Some of the teams were not happy with them, uh, and players were not happy with them about them doing this in a rogue fashion without including Chris Paul, the Players Association president, and allowing the other teams to understand where they were coming from and not present a more unified front. It, se- it made it seem like they didn't have a plan. Uh, Doc Rivers spoke and, and told guys, hey, look, you know, you guys – you know, need to utilize the platform. But he backed up the Bucks uh, based on all accounts. What do you make of that part of it, which is the Bucks kind of were a bit under siege by the rest of the group in there? Well, I, I, I will start first by saying all hell broke loose long before last night. No, sure. I mean in the NBA. You yes. know, no, 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 no. And in the NBA. Like, I'm a stickler for this, George, and I'm not picking on you necessarily, but I'm a stickler to making sure that we point the instigation or the instigator for all of this where it needs to be, which is an officer shot an unarmed black man seven times in the back in front of his three sons. That's when all hell broke loose. Everything that's followed is in response to the all hell that broke loose on Sunday in Kenosha. So... To your point, all the discussions that happened in regards to the Milwaukee Bucks, I would say protests are spontaneous and sometimes protests are organized. Sometimes you can have a committee meeting and sometimes there's no time for it. I don't think Colin Kaepernick called up everyone in the league and say, hey, guys, this is what I'm planning on doing. My recollection of the timeline, based upon my reporting and conversations with people, is that this was something he did very much in and of himself. And I would dare say, four years later, no one is looking at Colin Kaepernick saying, hey, how come you didn't inform you know, the, the Rams and the Giants and the Jets what you were planning on doing so we can coordinate this, this, this effort? No, what we're saying is, He's a leader, and he was right. And I feel the exact same way about the Milwaukee Bucks. 
I understand how certain people who consider themselves to be big vocal pieces or gatekeepers even in this conversation may feel a little bit taken aback because they're being asked to respond to something they didn't even know was, de was developing or happening. I get that part of it. But at the end of the day, no one owns the right to protest. No one owns the right to fight for freedom and equality. And no one definitely doesn't own the right to fight against racism in the manner in which they see fit. So if there are players who were upset that the Milwaukee Bucks didn't have a big powwow before they made their move, I truly hope that was short-lived because anything beyond a short-lived question of, hey, why do you hit us up? It's more about you and your ego than the mission at hand. And I'm way more concerned about making sure we stay focused in on the mission than we taking care of your ego because you thought you were occupying a certain leadership space in this capacity and you feel as if someone went around you. Uh, yeah, look, and I think that a number of people stuck up for them, as I mentioned uh, earlier, and, you know, including Jalen Brown, uh, as far as the players were concerned, he was the most vocal. There was a lot of stuff out there about LeBron, and I'm here to tell you, and we can discuss it a little later because I don't think we're going to have a ton of time here. Um, I guess we could just give you the, the quick synopsis. His position was mischaracterized, and I think that that was cleaned up in the Woj piece that was done uh, collaboratively with Adrian Wojnarowski, Ramona, Mark Spears, and Malika Andrews, um, and Tim Bontemps. The five of them did a story that's on ESPN.com, kind of illustrating the LeBron aspect of this. And I think that other media outlets reported LZ that he walked off and basic him and Kawhi basically walked off and walked out of the room, and they had inferred or implied that he didn't want to play the rest of the season which came across, which apparently was inaccurate. Um, and Damian Lillard uh, actually posted on Instagram, said, you know, where'd you guys get this info? Like basically saying, I, this isn't true. Um, so there was a lot of misinformation about LeBron and Kawhi's position specifically. And, and look, that can happen. LZ, you and I have been in these situations reporting on stuff. There's 300 guys in that room. You know, you get some piece of information from someone you trust, and sometimes that person may not have been paying as close attention as you would have hoped, and then that information gets disseminated, and it gets put out there in a way that wasn't necessarily accurate. No, no, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, this is being fleshed out a lot more by the people who are actually in the room, um, because it is important to know that, you know, whether it's LeBron or, or you know, Caruso, that they were behaving in this meeting, not thinking about themselves or ego or how they personally wanted to be featured in a conversation, but rather about the message and the mission at hand. And I, I can't stress that enough, that it's not about the who. It's not. It, it, and I know that we gravitate towards fame and fortune and we love our celebrities and blah, 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 blah. And they certainly play a role. But history is filled with movement being done by names we don't even know. And it is disrespectful to their memories and their contributions to, to report any story as if, if a person of note is not involved, then the effort is not worthy. The effort is worthy whether LeBron James was involved with planning this or not. And it's worthy whether or not Chris Paul and Carmelo was aware of what the Bucks were doing or not. I'm glad to see 
that the other players are stepping out and saying, hey, no, that's not how it went down. But even if it did go down like that, it ain't about them. It ain't about him. It's about these lives that are being taken in our streets, and it doesn't seem to be any justice for their unjustified deaths. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, I, I can't say it any better than the way you just described it now. And I think that that, um, that is the thing that's been unwavering uh, for LeBron specifically. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I always love the, uh, the questioning of his motivations. Um, and look, would I have done it differently with China? Yes, but I'm not him. Um, and by the way, you know, I think Stan Van Gundy, <laughs> LZ, you'll, you'll love this. Stan Van Gundy had a great tweet today, and I want to uh-huh. make sure I get it right because it was pretty hilarious. Um, he, <laughs> he said, uh, I don't have it here anymore. Gosh, I lost it. Oh, here it is. NBA players protesting racial injustice seems to have motivated many Twitter followers to make an interest in human rights in China. I'm sure those who use China to criticize NBA players are working tirelessly and giving generously to further the cause of human rights in China. <laughs> it's a good so, point. Yeah, he is right. There, there's no it's, it's, it's a very, very good point. And you know, George, the other thing, too, about the China situation, if I you know, can just kind of expand because yeah, I quickly I, if you can because we have Renata I, coming up yep. here in just a second and I want to yep, make sure we yep, get to yep. her on time yeah um you know it's really interesting that we expect athletes to be very proficient in geopolitical politics uh when it comes to their involvement but when they talk about something that they know intimately we want them to shut up and dribble yeah yeah that's a good way to put it for sure um you know, what we have here in L.A., though, you mentioned this yesterday, there is an alliance called the L.A. 84 Foundation. The president and CEO, Renata Simmeril, is going to join us in just a moment. All 11 teams are have basically created a pact on accomplishing, you know, to help civic pride um, and trailblaze in all sorts of uh, social um you know, causes and things of that nature here in L.A. And the president and CEO of that L.A. 84 Uh, group will join us in about three minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, we've got some explosive audio coming from Major League Baseball, and it's just not good for their commissioner, Rob Manfred. We'll have that for you in less than 10 minutes. Stick around for that. Uh, Coming up here, we're joined by the president and CEO of LA84. Uh, Renata Simrel joins us here now. It's a pact uh, between many of the entities here, including the sports entities here in Southern California. All 11 teams are part of this alliance um, and part of this particular group, and she is at the center of it, and she joins us here now. And thank you so much for joining us, Renata. We appreciate your time. Um, I guess for those that aren't as familiar with this alliance that has been created by the 11 organizations here in the Southern California sports community, how did all of this come about? Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Um, it was the uh, team president um, after the George Floyd um, 
you know, uh, incident that took place and the global protest um, over injustices um, with these de- deaths uh, by these police officers just really sh- hit the team presence very, very hard. And they wanted to come together as a group, um, as a community, and really do something uh, impactful um, to make this moment matter. Uh, and certainly um, with the incidents that's happened, um, you know, two days ago, it shows that you know, our work is uh, even more critical uh, now uh, than it was when we formed the alliance about two months ago. Um, Renata, uh, obviously you and I have talked, you know, quite a bit over those last few months. Can you give us an update as to where the alliance is in terms of um, its programming and actually uh, impacting the Southern California area? Yeah, we're at the earliest stages, LZ, and I think um, what's important to note, and Tim Harris, um, you know, says this um, so with such passion, is it took us 400 years to get where we are. When you think about the systems, um, the oppression against black uh, families and uh, black communities in particular, but really black and brown minority communities across the board, um, is that it's not going to take us, um, to, you know, overnight to get out of the situation that we're in. Um, and so when you think about um, black families not having proportional access to education or health care, um, representation, uh, opportunities um, in employment, um, careers, or, or to start businesses. Um, you know, for us, the Alliance is really looking to go back to uh, building that pipeline, so focusing on uh, middle and high school kids um, and really providing them with the leadership tools, um, resources, and access to opportunities um, as one, um, you know, focus. And so we're We've identified uh, a number of community organizations that we're working on for leadership training, and then a couple of organizations we're going to be working on um, this year uh, to stand up a cohort of young people um, that are going to be partake in this uh, program that we're going to be launching um, in the next two months um, as school has come on in distance learning. Uh, you know, we've had to take a little bit of a, a slower approach um, to engaging uh, these young people. But then the second um, most important piece is really giving them um, access to careers in sport, um, you know, letting them job shadow, letting them engage with, uh, you know, executives or cameramen or PR people. You know, we find in the work that we've done over 35 years is many of the communities, that, the kids in the communities that we serve, you know, they don't know that they, you know, can be uh, an executive within a sports team. They don't know what path, you know, in school they need to take to aspire to those positions. And so this program is really about building the pipeline so that we can create opportunities for our young people, you know, not just to aspire to be on the field or on the court, but to actually be in the C-suite um, or maybe start a business that, you know, engages with, um, you know, the MBA around, you know, PR or communications or marketing or whatever that thing might be. And then the third piece of what we're doing, um, and I think, you know, what the players are doing in terms of continuing, the players and the leagues, quite frankly, of continuing to bring awareness to the injustice is so critically important. But the work of the Alliance is not just about acting out and bringing awareness because we're at this moment where people are talking about these racial injustices that have perpetuated black communities for, for decades, for centuries. Um, we're now about action. You know, how are we going to act on something to make sure we're not talking about this five or 10 or 15 years from now? Um, and then how are we going to drive that change collectively? And that's what the Alliance is about. What did you make of what happened in the sports world yesterday? You know, essentially you know, starting with the Milwaukee Bucks, but then it really just kind of trickled all around to all the sports, including tennis. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, bringing awareness, um, you know, I see that as, um, you know, we're, we're angry. I'm angry. Um, I have two black boys. Um, you know, one I just dropped off in Chicago to start his 
you know, college career. Um, you know, I, I, at, at every moment where we see, you know, this, this escalation of violence, um, you know, this un, uh, just un, not non-required violence against, um, you know, even if, uh, you know, the latest incident, you know, he was somewhere we wasn't supposed to be, you know, he scuffled with police, that he's a criminal. Um, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't result in him be, being paralyzed for life. It shouldn't result in, um, you know, people losing their lives, black men and women losing their lives. Um, we shouldn't escalate to that level of violence, to my opinion. Um, and I'm speaking at this moment as a former military police officer. So I have some experience being in those situations. Um, but so I think what the sports teams are doing and the, and the players are doing, you know, it's, it's acting out. It's, it's trying to make sense of, you know, this senseless violence, um, these senseless deaths. Um, in a way that we've seen it for so many years, so many decades, you know, but I think the time for acting out has its limits. Um, you know, I think that um, now it's time to act on something. Um, and I don't necessarily agree that, you know, canceling the NBA season is the you know right approach. Um, you know, and I give kudos to Michael Jordan and really being able to come as a player and an owner and really broker a solution. And I think what you think when you think about what the NBA in particular has done, you know, as a result of the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey, you know, when have you ever thought about Black Lives Matter being painted on the NBA court? You know, the, the embracement, the embracing of being able to, um, you know, have uh, your slogan or what you feel you want to express on your shirt. Um, but those things have limits. I think the world is paying attention, and what we need more of is our athletes to act on something. So take example what LeBron James has done, you know, in terms of voting, um, you know, making sure that, that everyone can vote and that those votes count and that they matter. You know, that's taking action. Um, so I think we need to do more of that. Um, and quite frankly, for me, I just don't agree canceling the season, you know, is, 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 is what we should be acting on. I mean, you know, let's, you know, raise some money for the post office um, so that we don't have to take out mailboxes in, you know, predominantly black counties um, where the voting registration is, you know, and, and the voting happens to be the highest and determines the election, you know, and almost every election I've been aware of. You know, let's take that anger, let's take that outrage, let's take that acting out, and let's transition that to a strategy to act on something that's really going to change the circumstances for the communities, um, black communities across the country that continue to face a senseless violence and oppression. You know, that's what I would hope for for this moment and for the athletes who are, you know, rightfully and I think um, inspiringly standing and using their platform to bring awareness. Now that people are aware, what are we going to do about it? Renata Simrill of uh, LA 84 and, of course, the Alliance with us here on Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. Renata, we've got about a minute, um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, look, in the age of COVID, obviously some of these, uh, there are some extra challenges or layers, uh, right? But what would you employ the group in the Alliance to do to help this particular cause that we were just discussing? Well, I think they're doing it. Um, you know, the alliance is um, all 11 teams, as LZ mentioned, um, putting their resources and their platforms, you know, toward a strategy focused on high school kids throughout the Southern California region in underserved, under-resourced communities, and then focusing on those system changes that have, um, you know, created lack of resources within our public education system, within our out-of-school time and our after-school time, and using their platform you know, to speak on those issues, and more importantly, is to get their athletes um, or provide a platform for their athletes to speak on those issues. You know, so just one example is, um, you know, $100 million is going to be cut out of the state of California budget due to the economic, um, you know, situation of COVID-19. Um, you know, I co- co-authored an op-ed, you know, piece with a, the um, 
the uh, chair of the Compton Unified School District, you know, having conversations with legislators and telling them the importance of keeping that hundred million because if we're going to get our economy working, is the out of school after school time is where parents find free childcare, and if they're not able to have that, that's going to impede their ability to work. And so, being able to have, say, a Jared Goff or LeBron James or one of the other athletes co-author that and to talk about the importance of driving more resources into our urban schools, into our out-of-school time, after-school sports, um, that has significance. Um, and if we can start there and then transition our strategy to going on the offensive and finding ways in which to drive more resources to our public education system, I think that's when we start to see um, systemic changes that are going to lead to more black businesses, you know, more kids aspiring to be, you know, hell, not a LeBron James, but a Jeannie Buss and an owner of a team. So I think the alliance um, has responded. You know, I think you're right. COVID-19 has slowed the pace of, of, of how we want to move these things forward. But I think it's important to underscore, uh, again, Tim Harris's um, eloquent words. It took us 400 years, you know, to get into the situation. It's not going to take, you know, a day or even five years for us to get out of it. So we've got to have sustained resolve, sustained resources, and a commitment from each and every one of not just the alliance members, but each and every one of us to do something to drive positive change in the communities where we live and work and play. Renata Simrel, president and CEO of LA84, and of course, uh, creator of the Alliance with the 11 franchises here in Southern California. Thank you so much for the time. Stay healthy and stay safe. All right, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Renata. All right. Bye-bye. There's Renata. Uh, coming up next, LZ, you and I, in two minutes and 15 seconds, will have some explosive stuff to get to when it comes to Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll have that for you in a moment. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Sedan on LZ with you here at 710 ESPN. Thanks to Renata Simrol of LA84 and the Alliance joining us there. Uh, LZ, we have some explosive stuff going on in Major League Baseball. So I want to talk about – I want to start with the good stuff, and then you and I can get into the salacious stuff in a second. Are you ready? Ooh, I'm, I am ready. <laughs> so the good thing is this. The uh, Mets and Marlins today wanted to do something uh, to honor um, what is going on in the world at the moment, right? Uh -huh. So they what they ended up doing was the Marlins and Mets – took the field at City Field in New York for 42 seconds of silence to honor Jackie Robinson, and then they exited the field, and they will not play today, okay? So then what happened after the fact um, will, will be the – what happened before the fact, pardon me, will be the bigger story. So just to preface this, the Mets general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, okay? He's the former agent. He was in the – post-game press conference room or just the press room, right, where, you know, you, you've seen these things before. I'm explaining it to the audience. We all know what we're talking about. You know, they got the backdrop for the team and, and the sponsor and whatever, right, and that's usually where the coach or the manager or a player or whatever sits and discusses stuff with the media, right? So there's a camera set up in those rooms that's usually hot, right, and a microphone that's usually hot because it's sitting there on a podium, right, or, or a desk, 
And Brody Van Wagenen, the Mets GM, was caught on a live mic and camera discussing a plan in which he says Major League Baseball wanted the Mets to take the field, leave it, and then return an hour later to play the game. And Van Wagenen is critical of the idea, and specifically Commissioner Rob Manfred saying, quote, he just doesn't get it. So this video got leaked, and look, Rob Manfred has done a lot of dumb things <laughs> over the last few months. Give us some examples, George. Give oh, us I some mean, examples. I mean, the whole Houston Astros saga, right? Like, there's clearly um, that. Um, yeah, there's the the entire way the negotiation went down with Major League Baseball. Dumb. Yeah, so there's a number of these things that just recently, right, have been issues. So this just is kind of the the cherry on top, a chef's kiss of sorts, mwah, of just silliness and uh, stupidity. And do we have the audio, Laura, of Brody on camera, not realizing he's on camera in front of a, a hot mic and a hot camera? All right, the audio isn't great, so we're going to play it. So here's what you need to do. Everyone listening in their car, you just need to be very quiet and listen to this audio that Laura is going to play right now. They're mulling that over. Baseball's trying to come up with a solution to say, no, you know, it would be super powerful. Three of, three of us here can't leave this room. They're saying, uh, you know, it would be really great if you just have them all take the field. Then they leave the field. And then they come back and play at 8-10. And I was like, what? What's it? Rob. Because Jeff's scheduling is going to be a nightmare. There's so much at stake. And I said, Jeff... That's not happening. They're not dealing with reality. They're not playing, but that's Rob's instinct. And Rob, not exactly what you're talking at leadership level, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. And that's so... Anyway, so we're waiting. Jeff wants to hear as soon as we hear from the Marlins. Uh, Conforto should, whatever we do, we need to coordinate with the Marlins. So as soon as Conforto hears from Rojas, right? Miguel Rojas? Yeah. Um, let, let me know because Jeff's standing by for that call, and then we can figure out what we're doing programming-wise and schedule-wise. You know, Rob's trying to say to Jeff, "Well, the Marlins, like the only way they play a game, the only way they can do it is they have to fly up on the same day they play." I was like, "That's not true, Jeff. They play a day game on Sunday. They could fly up after that game, play us on Monday, and fly back." Correct. All right, so you can take it down, Laura. We don't need to know the Marlins' itinerary. We just need to, the the key part was just there the was fascinating. Rob Manfred. Um, and again, quote Brody Van Wagenen about Rob Manfred. At the leadership level, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. No um, lies told. No lies told. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not ideal. Um, we, we did our best with the audio there, so we apologize. But, Laura, if you want to recut that just to make it, just let it end on he just doesn't get it. That way we can limit the uh, what we need from it. Because really, that's the stuff that is matters. But by the way, the funniest part was when he's telling the other two people in the room, you know, this doesn't leave here. It's just the three of us in here. <laughs> oh, Brody, unfortunately, it wasn't just the three of you in there. There was a live camera and a hot microphone, and somebody put decided to leak it. Um, here is the statement from Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen 
Jeff Wilpon called Commissioner Manford this afternoon to notify him that our players voted not to play. They discussed the challenges of rescheduling the game. Jeff proposed an idea of playing uh, an hour later. I misunderstood that this was the commissioner's idea. In actuality, this was Jeff's suggestion. The players had already made their decision, so I felt the suggestion was not helpful. My frustration with the commissioner was wrong and unfounded. I apologize to the commissioner for my disrespectful comments and poor judgment in inaccurately describing the contents of his private conversation with our owner, Jeff Wilpon. Do you buy that, LZ? Hell to the naw. Yeah, I don't either. Hell to the naw. Now, I will give him credit because at least that apology is believable. Right. Like it is plausible. Not, yes. It's very, very plausible, right? That this wasn't his idea, blah, 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 blah. But I still don't believe that's what happened. <laughs> I don't believe what happened. That's what happened based upon what we said before we played the tape, which is, you know, Commissioner Rob Manfred just has a habit of not getting it. Because if he got it, baseball would have been played on the 4th of July, when we're all feeling patriotic and locked up in the house as opposed to trying to compete with every sport that was ever played under the sun, which is what they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. If they got it, then it wouldn't have been a 60-game season. If they got it, then they wouldn't have had one day of Black Lives Matter celebration that every team did the exact same thing, and then we go back to our regularly scheduled program, which is essentially what baseball did. So... There are a lot of there are a lot of reasons why you would think at the leadership level Rob doesn't get it, and because of that, I have a hard time thinking that the sincerity in his voice in saying that he doesn't get it at the leadership level didn't just resonate because of this one incident. Correct. So it's a collection of incidents. Correct. It's just the latest example. Yes, yes, that's exactly how I interpret it because he emphasized it like the second time, like he's like he doesn't get it. And then he was like, he just doesn't get it, you know, like, and it was, it was so, such an emphasis the second time that yes. you, you, we've all been there. We've all been there with someone that we deal with regularly, whether it's a boss, a family member, uh, a, a sibling, a, uh, you know, a significant other, right? Where it's just Greg. like, oh. Greg, Greg, right? Greg, clearly, clearly Greg. <laughs> clearly, clearly. I was going to say, I mean, what are you trying to say here, people? Yeah, that where you're just like, God, this person just doesn't get it. Why don't they understand what we're trying to convey here? Um, but yes, that that clearly was the case. But good God, Manfred just keeps taking the hits. Uh, speaking of taking hits, LeBron took a number of hits, but the owners meeting in the NBA, LZ, is still going on. But we have some word on what LeBron expressed to them in that meeting just a little while ago. We'll have that for everyone coming up in three minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedano and LZ with you here. What you need to know, we will get to what is going on in the NBA owners meeting as we speak, including LeBron James speaking in front of the owners. We'll have that for you in a second, but first... Got to tell you, streaming September 4th, Disney's new movie, Mulan, available on Disney+. Plus. Subscribers 
who unlock their Premier Access will be able to watch it. So make sure you check out Mulan. So LZ, I want to talk some baseball here and what you need to know. We want to mm-hmm. shout out Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is now the winningest pitcher, left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball history after today's performance in the first half of a doubleheader. He has a 696 winning percentage historically. Holy cow. That boy good. Yeah. That's what makes the Houston Astros, you know, cheating scenario situation so hard because if this great pitcher ends his career with a yeah, but, and we all know what Houston did, it just makes it so much worse. So I know this is a messed up season, George, with 60 games and blah, 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 blah. But damn, if anyone needs to, a period at the end of their sentence or an exclamation point at this part, it's this man because he's got everything else in the sentence that you need. He just needs that finishing touch, which will be a ring. Uh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw just needs a ring. Uh, you can make the case he's the greatest regular season pitcher of all time. You can also make the case that he has the greatest uh, three-year stretch of any pitcher in the modern era of baseball, like basically post like 67, 68. Uh, from 2013 to 2016, Clayton Kershaw had 25 wins, or excuse me, 65 wins, 10 shutouts, um, a 1.88 ERA, uh, 6.2 hits per nine innings, half a home run per nine innings, and only gave up an 857 whip. The next two that came close to that have more wins, uh, 92 to 95, Greg Maddox, 75 wins, but uh, all the other numbers are higher um, or worse uh, in this case, even though Greg Maddox's ERA was also sub two. And Pedro Martinez from 97 to 2000 had 77 wins, the most in a three-year stretch, but all his other numbers, uh, ERA, hits per nine, home runs per nine, and whip, all higher than Kershaw. Uh, so, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, man, we, we need to – we need to, you know, as much as we can be critical of him in the big moments, I don't think all of that has been his fault. Like, you know, historically he had those situations in St. Louis where the bullpen didn't aid him, and then you already referenced the Astros stuff. I do feel like if we do it right and give it the, the breath of hindsight, we can see why some of the things that happened happened. Yes, but to my point, um, ESPN.com did a story ranking the top 10 left-handed pitchers of all time. Nine of them have at least one championship. Right. And I guess we all know the one who doesn't. Right, right. And he'll get it. I think he'll get it in the next couple of years. I, if it's not this year, it's going to happen. Like I am if I have said this repeatedly on this station before we move on to LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um I believe that the Dodgers are going to win at least one, perhaps two championships in the next several years. I am a firm believer in that. I believe it's going to happen. I believe it will um, it will cement his legacy and a number of people's legacies, including Dave Roberts, who I think Especially takes Dave a lot Roberts. of grief. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, so that's what you need to know. Uh, so speaking of which, even though this, technically the segment is over, uh, LZ, the owners' meeting has been going on and on and on uh, today, and there mm-hmm. have been different people uh, present during this meeting. Uh, I want to talk about Michael Jordan's involvement here in a second, but specifically when it comes to LA, uh, LeBron James, uh, of all the players that were in the owners' meeting today, he was the last to speak, 
And he delivered, a, according to Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report, a strong, thoughtful message to owners. His main point was that the work has to continue and that the owners truly have to dedicate to advancing this cause. And I know people were mad at LeBron yesterday because the stories were out there that he walked off in a huff or whatever. And you and I touched on it briefly in the first hour. But again, some of that reporting was mischaracterized. And if you read Woj and Ramona and Mark Spears and Malika and Tim Bontemps' story on ESPN.com, you get a greater range of what actually transpired. Not just LeBron, but Kawhi. Both were a bit mischaracterized in some of the reporting last night around 8 o'clock. So I, I do think that that's important to put out there. But what do you make of his message to the owners as kind of a final uh, salvo in these conversations? Well, I mean, it's... It's true. You know, like, I, and I, I go back to what we were discussing with Aaron Rodgers, and I keep going back to him because I saw a lot of people were like, oh, my God, did you hear what Aaron said? And it's like all Aaron said was acknowledge that systemic racism exists, which in August of 2020 isn't breaking news. Had he said that in August of 2019, yeah, we can give him credit. But you don't get credit anymore for acknowledging the obvious. And you don't get credit anymore for saying things like Black Lives Matter. You don't get credit for talking. It's time for action now. Mm -hmm. George, it's time for movement. It's time for boldness. Because this is this problem, this problem hasn't been scrubbed away because we talked about it. The problem hasn't been scrubbed away because we tweeted about it. The only way this issue gets addressed is that if we meet it head on with action. And so I'm glad to see, again, Players, uh, team presidents, you know, and talking with Renata, um, all hands on deck in terms of making sure that the ultimate hierarchy of this, which will be the ownership group, realizes that it's not enough to have a cool slogan on the back of a jersey. That you're going to have to get your hands dirty if you really believe in the mission of being anti-racist. Because the land of saying, hey, I'm not racist. It just isn't good enough anymore mm -hmm. because you're saying I'm not racist while also endorsing candidates who are implementing racist policies. Yeah. So what good is your words when your actions are working against it? Correct. Correct. It's not about words. It's about action more so than ever. Um, and, and I agree with that. Um, words matter, but actions carry actual weight, right? Is that a fair way to describe it? Yes, because I like to think my words matter. But they only matter if people read my columns and they feel compelled to move. Right. If they read my columns and go, oh, that was good, and then they go about their daily lives, and I didn't do ish. My hope is to change heart and mind so that it leads to actions. And I'm sure everyone who writes and everyone who speaks hope the same thing. But you also have to back it up yourself with action. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, and look. My understanding is that the players challenged the owners, not just LeBron, but the players mm -hmm. that spoke in this meeting, uh, Chris Paul, right, Russell Westbrook, Andre Iguodala, um, a number of players, basically said to them, and, and I don't blame them, LZ, hey, it, it's, we can't be reactive anymore. It's time to be proactive, right, when it comes to social justice changes and, and to, to really forge a bond here 
to create actions and not just financial commitments. Kind of some of the stuff that we were talking about with the alliance here in L.A. that Renata was talking about with the 11 teams here in Los Angeles or in the Southern California area, right? And um, my understanding is that the NBA and the NBA Players Association, and I think Shams Sharania may have reported this as well, that they're going to create programs to work on player-created initiatives on a daily basis here during the bubble. So if that's the case, I feel like steps were made. But I did, I did want to refer – I did reference Michael Jordan earlier, and mm-hmm. I want to shout out Hall of Famer Jackie McMullen. Love Jackie. You know, we love her around here. Of course. Um, and I know some of you are like, eh, she covered the Celtics. Stop it. That's stop it. She's in the league. Yes. Leave it alone. I mean, she's in the Hall of Fame, okay? She Was she the first woman non-athlete inducted to the Hall of Fame? She might have been, actually. I don't, now that I I don't know. It. Let's just say that she was, and then let someone try to prove us wrong. Right, yeah. Prove us wrong. Prove but us anyway, wrong. We love Jackie around here. But anyhow, uh, Jackie um, apparently is report was reporting, because I guess she may have spoken to Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan, who, look, Infamously, we all know, we just saw the documentary a few months ago, right? We all know about everything that has transpired with Michael Jordan, uh, you know, in his past when he was a player. But in more recent times, LZ, it feels like Michael's social conscience um, is more in tune with what's going on in the world. And apparently, Michael spoke with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook ahead of the owners' meeting today to discuss the issues at hand and get a real sense of what the players truly wanted to achieve uh, by canceling the games. And and again, you know, Michael in dealing with the players, understanding, because he was a player, um, I thought it was a good uh, olive branch extended by the ownership and allowing him to do that because every one of those players is going to respect him in that room. And basically, the you know Jordan told the owners in that meeting, Right now, listening is better than talking. And because you know this, LZ, billionaires, for the most part, become billionaires because they are active participants in becoming billionaires, (laughs) which means they're doing a lot of talking a lot of the times. Now, there's obviously outliers in every situation. Some people inherit money. I get it. But more, more times than not, right, that is generally the case. So I'm glad that he said that because it is in the DNA of a lot of these people to be like, okay, how can we fix it? What can we do? And sometimes like, no, 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 just listen, right? I have this conversation with Mrs. Sedano constantly where she says, sometimes I just want to vent to you. I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to listen to me. And so I've heard that line before. So it, 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 it cuts deep, LZ, is what I'm saying. Wow. I am intimately familiar with that line. And I'm glad Michael said it because I need it said to me sometimes as a personal, uh, in my personal relationships, you know? Is she throwing things at you when she says No, no. Or? No, no, absolutely not. There are no, th- we do not throw things in this house. I occasionally have launched a remote in disgust at a game, uh, but I have since stopped that since I have children that now see what I do. Okay, I, I just got some inside information from Laura, so I don't, I don't know what to believe. Yeah. You know, she, she whispers something else in my ear, so I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I have stopped throwing remotes. I am in Remote Control Throwers Anonymous. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> listen, as anyone who has been a longtime listener of ESPN LA know that I have been very critical of Michael Jordan in the sense of 
you know, his lack of, not just his lack of participation when it comes to criminal justice when he was a player, but also being actively oppressive of the conversation as well. What he did with Craig Hodges, to me, was absolutely awful. Absolutely awful to dismiss Craig Hodges, who was a member of his team during the first three-peat, who was very active in the early 90s in trying to get the federal government, particularly the president of the United States, to pay attention to what was happening in the African-American community. And MJ dismissed him, and Craig Hodges was essentially blackballed out of the league, wasn't even able to even Mm -hmm. get a call to any team for tryouts during the summer, no camps, nothing. So I've been very critical of Michael Jordan, the player, for a variety of reasons in this space. MJ, the owner, has been a pleasant surprise. He hasn't run through the door, you know, busting through with both fists in the air saying black power, but he has worked more and more towards using his influence and his resources publicly to try to make things better, not just for black people, but for the country, really. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress that enough. Yes. Ending racism isn't to make things better for black people. Yeah. It's to make things better for everybody. Correct. Including white people. Correct. And MJ's been very good as of late to your point in doing that. And this is just another example. And I applaud him for doing that because he didn't have to. No. He did not have to. He could have kept sipping on that tequila and looking at the iPad and smirking and saying that the glove couldn't hold him. But he had decided instead to get a little bit dirty in this space, and I'm appreciative. No question about it. No question about it. And uh, it's nice to see that that's the case. Uh, Coming up next, you and ILZ will talk to Matt Barnes, friend of the program. Of course, you see him on The Jump, uh, the All the Smoke podcast uh, Matt Barnes has, and we will talk to him about everything that's transpiring. Former player, obviously former Laker, former Clipper, and, of course, world champion with the Golden State Warriors.